A North Carolina court has ordered that convicted felons must be given the opportunity to vote. What are your thoughts on what's happening in North Carolina? Well, it's a terrific change, but I don't know how much it will radically change the electorate. What the court said, we have these complicated rules where basically there is no state anymore that automatically removes your right to vote uh, if you have a felony conviction for the rest of your life. It doesn't exist anymore in the U.S. In fact, we've had kind of a false debate, I remember, with Hillary Clinton saying it's time to let ex-cons vote. Well, Hillary, they do. They have the right. And in, in in, in the question is, sometimes the rules are complicated. In a lot of states, about a third of the states, uh, you have to serve what they call the remainder of your sentence, meaning you got if you have on probation or supervision or parole, you can't register to vote. And in a couple states, they've had the complication that they say your sentence includes paying court costs. Good luck, by the way, trying to figure out what those court costs are. So the, the, there are two big problems. Number one, these state lists, as I've gone through them, are, are phony as a $3 bill. Uh, Twenty years ago in the 2000 election, the reason George Bush became president, uh, I was investigating for The Guardian and BBC, and I found that the 58,000 black people, and I know they're black because the BLA next to their names, um, were removed from the voter rolls on grounds that they were felons. Not one, not a single one, was convicted of anything except voting while black. They just had names similar to people who were convicted somewhere in America of, of a felony crime. These lists are horrendous, but it scares away ex-cons from registering. By my last calculation, about 9 million ex-cons eligible to vote are not registered. A lot because they fear, they hear stories about people going back to prison. No one wants to risk going back to the can uh, just to vote for the school board. And so it's, it's a bit of, it's kind of scary. So the, what really needs to be done besides uh, increasing, making it easier to vote. So, for example, this new ruling in North Carolina means that people don't have to try to figure out, wait, am I, un- am I still eligible to vote? You walk out of prison, you can, you can vote. In fact, in New York, they hand uh, eligible uh, voters leaving uh, incarceration, they hand them registration forms. And in, and, in fact, in Los Angeles here, we go into the prisons and hand people registration forms um, when they're eligible. And so that's what we need is a push to get the eligible ex-cons to vote. Obviously, this ruling makes it easier because you don't have to go through complexities for a voter. They're either in or out. If they're out, vote. It's interesting you mentioned the court cost requirement. And in North Carolina last year, these same judges ruled that the law's requirement that felons must first pay monetary obligation made voting or access to the franchise a financial issue, which it should not be. And also, it's it's interesting, just on the face of it, Republican state lawmakers plan to appeal this decision. And other than the ethnic makeup of those who will be most dramatically impacted by this, what would the Republicans' argument be for not allowing uh, convicted felons to vote. By the way, let me just introduce this by saying that no matter what the color of a voter, no matter who they are, 88% of people who've been through the prison system come out as Democrats. So this has a huge Mm -hmm. effect. I mean, we talk about the racial effect. 
Um, right. And that's one of the things, by the way, that is the argument of the, of the Republicans, interestingly, is that it is a racial issue that the, that the, believe it or not, they argue that the justice system is unfair to African Americans. And therefore, of course, the parole system is automatically going to be unfair to African Americans. So they're, they're actually arguing that our justice system is racist. And therefore, you can't, you can't change the voting laws just because the justice system is racist. You've got to fix the justice system. This is a Republican argument in North Carolina. I kid you not. It's kind of fascinating. Um, but so that is their argument, that the system is racist. So, you know, if you have more black people on parole or having to pay court fees, I, I have a very practical thing working, having worked in this field for uh, a couple decades on selling voting issues. When you add that requirement, as they just did in Florida, that you have to pay your court fees and any fees outstanding anywhere, and in some cases that means if you have a parking ticket somewhere that you didn't pay, um, how do you find that out? There's, the records are not clear. Someone was convicted years ago of, uh, for a couple reefers in their pocket, and uh, who, has the, who has the records of the court costs? Where do you get these things, and how do you get that cleared? Some people thought, oh, well, let's get some billionaires just to pay the fines. It's not that simple. What they're doing is it's like all vote suppression techniques. It's about running a gauntlet. It's about making it miserable, crawling through the mud, crawling through an obstacle course to vote. And those obstacles are put in the way of low-income people, people of color, students. In other words, when we say voters of color, we mean the color blue generally. If I remember correctly, in Florida, when it was Jay-Z or someone, when they said, okay, the felons are going to have to, you know, former felons are going to have to pay um, any fines, court costs, any restitution they have in order to uh, vote. And Jay-Z or one of these wealthy people said, okay, I'll pay it all. And they tried to pass legislation to stop them so they, they couldn't come in and pay it. I think it was Bloomberg and LeBron James. Yeah. And they tried. They were yeah. like, oh, no, geez, we, don't, we, we didn't know you were actually going to pay it. Yes, yeah, so they were going to write a check, but I'm going to tell you one of the terrible things is how do you clear the records? And plus, when you clear the records, I've dealt with some of these county clerks in Florida, places like Volusia. They have to get a note from the state that someone's been cleared. They call cops on people because they have a, a, literally an F next to their name in the voter rolls that say felon. How do you get that cleared off? It's quite a bureaucratic mess. And what I like about this ruling is not just that it's simply expansing is unfair. You know, the, the court's reasoning is, is good, which is that it's unfair to say basically your right to vote is based on your income, whether you can pay these fees. But the truth is the real issue is that it uncomplicates it. If you're not in the can, you can vote. Um, and that's really, really significant. But what I'd love to see, in addition to like uh, LeBron and Bloomberg writing checks, is going out, speaking with and reassuring the 9 million um, eligible ex-cons to register to vote. It is, I'm telling you, talking to people, it's scary for them. They don't want to make a mistake because they've read about the, the two or three cases in the past decade where people have gone back to the can they registered, because they registered. In one case in Texas, a woman asked, may I register? I'm still under supervision. She was told yes and then got, was sent back for five years. Um, they hear those rare stories, and it's scary. So that's what we need to do is work on getting people who are eligible registered, and it is not easy. Of the 1.4 million people who were re-enfranchised by Proposition 2 in Florida, which allowed people to vote, 
uh, again, who've had a, a felony conviction. 1.4 million people, only about 200,000 people ended up getting registered, as far as I know so far. 